Running Wild with Christine, Sex, Success, and Other Slippery Rabbit Holes. Episode 3 on loneliness and why we write. Hi, welcome back to Running Wild with Christine. I'm Christine Wild, as always, author of the newly released memoir called Just Bad Timing, in which I recount my thoughts on postmodernism, my raucous trysts, and take you around the world in an often hilarious personal quest for meaning. It's an exploration of intimacy and modern relationships in the age of Tinder, the gig economy, and social media-induced FOMO, which poses lots of timely questions like, what do real love and success entail, and how do we navigate the expectations we set for ourselves while carrying the weight of expectations others set for us? Why is it so damn difficult for women to embrace their sexuality and speak proudly about it? So that's why we're also here today. This podcast is a safe place to ask all the questions you might be afraid to ask or never knew who to speak to or why and how. And so me and friends answer those questions for ourselves. Um, So today is actually a really topical episode. I am here with Matthew. Hey, thanks for having me. No worries. Um, Matthew is a friend of mine who is also a writer of a book whose title in progress is When the Yellow Cat Yawns, and it has nothing to do with cats, apparently. (laughs) No, very little. (laughs) But basically, Matthew and I um, met in February of 2017? Yeah, yep, yep, that sounds right, yeah. So about about just over a year ago. um, And um, how did we meet, Matthew? (laughs) Uh, as all relationships start out these days, uh, we met, met on Tinder. So, yeah. That's right. We met on Tinder, but, but we didn't quite meet on Tinder like everyone else meets on Tinder. We met on Tinder in Belgrade, where there's no one on Tinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It's, uh, it's very bare, though. Compared to Sarajevo, it's a gold mine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, for anyone willing to travel to Sarajevo, get your Tinder action going. Um, so yeah, personally, I had just moved to Belgrade. Um, this is at the beginning of part three in my book, if you're a reader. And I was um, trying to write, trying to finish this book of mine and, and you know, living a quite lonely life, just perched up at my desk trying to get this shit done. Um, and so Tinder was like the perfect procrastination. And then I think Matthew and I matched and he's like, what do you do? And I was like, well, I'll write a book. He's like, no fucking way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah that, yeah. that sounds about right. Um, I honestly don't think I would have told you I wrote, like I was a writer unless like if you hadn't said, I'm also writing, I'm writing a book, I would have never probably told you what would would you have said (laughs) i I would have been like what's this random australian guy doing living in belgrade yeah i know i probably would have said nothing or um (laughs) or traveling or something like that yeah for anyone who's on tinder never say nothing that's like the like conversation (laughs) stopper don't do that Um, but anyway, so we, we went for a crazy night out, had some Belgrade drinks as you do. And, um, and then, um, this cool intellectual, dare I say, uh, (laughs) friendship came out of it. That's such a stretch. (laughs) Um, but basically why Matthew and I wanted to do an episode today is, um, 
because we bonded in our friendship over um, trying to be creative people and living in sort of lonesome places for people like us. Um, and, and, um, and we both have this like weird, you know, thing for philosophy. <laughs> so bear, bear with us today. If we start going a little like too far down a philosophy rabbit hole, we'll, we'll try to stop ourselves. <laughs> Would you say we bonded over long, long, uh, long dead white guys and their ideas? That's right. <laughs> I think you said, yeah. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> oh, long dead white guys. Never ending like, source of inspiration. <laughs> um, but basically, so um, if you read the book or if you know anything about me, I'm half Serbian. So I decided to move to a place where I had an empty apartment for free and I could live there freely. Matthew, however, has a weirder reason for being in Belgrade. Do you want to give us the two cents background? Uh Oh, so I ended up in Belgrade because my Schengen visa was due to expire. I had to get out of Schengen. Good and times. the cheapest flights from Madrid were to Belgrade at that time. So that's how I ended up in Belgrade per se. But I was in Europe because I was waiting for a, um, my Polish citizenship to go through. And it still which, hasn't. Um, so it's been two years. <laughs> and it's been... 18 months and it still hasn't happened, so yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I'm taking advantage of having Matthew on the same continent for a little bit longer before he heads back to Australia and faces that dreadful return. But I guess we'll do an e <laughs> other episode of coming back home after being a weirdo loner on the other side of the planet. Um, but speaking of being a loner, so um, this is something that I sort of um, struggled with um, when I was um, writing before I published. I mean, I still struggle with it, but a little differently is that um, you sort people are like, so what do you do? And, and like Matthew implied, we don't necessarily always say I'm a writer unless you have something published because it's like this imposter syndrome of, you know, I can't be a writer if I didn't have anything to show you that I wrote. Um, which sucks, by the way, and is completely wrong, and we shouldn't think like that, but it's just, you know, for now, how we do. Um, and so I think for me, that was like a major source of like anxiety is that I would sit like and stare at my thoughts and at my computer for like endless hours. And I think if it weren't for people like Matthew or people that, you know, understand that process of introspection, um, you sort of like have no place in society where you can be like, yo guys, this is really hard. <laughs> <laughs> like this is more difficult than having a mortgage and a nine to five is that I sit here like shooting my own self in the foot repeatedly. And I think Matthew, you like sort of have a lot of things to say about that, don't you? <laughs> but it's, I mean, I don't know why anyone would choose to do this per se because it's such an isolating lifestyle. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's the trade-off. It's what we have to do to do kind of what we want to be creative and you need that time. But yes, it's very lonely. And then even, even when you do find some people, like it, there's always the danger of clicks, I suppose. Whereas yeah. even then you fall into these clicks and you can kind of get lost in that. So, um, are you talking about like the way the, the... writers clicks? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the Whereas, nice positive feedback loop. <laughs> uh, 
out and you just yeah you can fall into that or you can even not fit into those clicks which is just more depression waiting around the corner for you then i suppose but yeah i mean it's it's a lonely boring kind of existence and it's also great at the same time yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're making it sound really good aren't we um <laughs> So basically, um, Matthew and I um, have a little bit of a different uh, parkour to get to where we are today. Um, I studied international relations, which on paper sounds like a marketable skill, but essentially I focused on critical theory and philosophy of um, power and politics and things like that. So I spend a lot of time with long dead white guys um, in a sort of legitimate space, which is university. Matthew comes from marketing. <laughs> Please don't hate me. <laughs> well, not based on that. Uh, yes, yeah. So I did my yeah, I did marketing. My my background's marketing and um, in university. And then when I went out, I did accounts. Oh my <laughs> a, a god! A bit of accounts and a bit of marketing as well. Riveting. But, yeah, riveting stuff. I mean. So how you, like... can, you can see why I'm used to boredom <laughs> when my nine to when my nine to five was filling out spreadsheets. It's like. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I should mention the book that he's writing that isn't about cats is about boredom, um, which is going to be a fascinating read. I'm really excited. Um, but uh, but I, I wanted to ask you, so how did you get into this study of, of, of um, critical thinking? Because for me, it's like one of the major arcs that I use within um, the book and, and in my life in general is sort of the perpetual questioning of of language and things we say and, 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 and frames of thought and, and the system that we built as a society and, and sort of being always aware of, of what the assumptions behind it are, even if, you know, sometimes you can't do much about it, just being aware of, of where they come from and, and how we perpetuate it with <clears throat> language and stuff like that is something that I'm constantly aware of, but it comes from my university education. Whereas like, what was your, like the, the sort of thing that made you go, Oh, I'm going to spend time reading, you know, Intensely difficult philosophy. <laughs> well, it was kind of always there in a sense, so I'm going to go really far back here. Mm. Um, my sister and I like to refer to my father as a Marxist who hasn't read Marx. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Yay. and what we are, what we kind of mean by that is um, back in Australia, before, before Australia was really really rich like it's always kind of been it's always been well off before it was really rich like it is now um my my dad was a coal miner working worked in the mines um yeah and and at that point there was a massive mine strike and he was a union he was a union he was a union person mm -hmm. and um so we were introduced like i can remember being down in like This is before like, OH&S and like, oh, for British people, health and safety. <laughs> I can remember being in the open cut pit on the picket line with him. And um, <laughs> so I was introduced that way to like, it started off like that was always kind of there, this kind of um, solidarity. They eventually, he got sacked as most of the miners that that happened to in the mine didn't close, it got sold. Yeah. And then they brought in all rules, which has led to the weird class divide we have in Australia now. Mm -hmm. um, but that's where it started. And then at uni, I still wasn't fully aware of Marx because, like, I'm sure most Western people know, maybe not the British, the Americans definitely know, you're not allowed to read Marx. 
in Australia, it's taboo. Um, However, so if I, you're in any way Serbian, it's highly recommended read, by the way. <laughs> just, yeah. just throwing it out there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I hadn't, I hadn't read him. I barely even knew anything about him. And then when I got to UD, I was introduced to Freud in marketing. In marketing, we use a lot of very weak psychology to manipulate people. <laughs> and, um, and from that, uh, from that, you kind of, when you fall into Freud, it was just kind of like, well, Freud's interesting. I read a little bit about Freud. And then the next logical step is to um, Macusa. Yeah. And when that and when that happens, you can't but help but open the door, which took me to the two philosophers. And this might sound weird to people that know philosophy, but took me to the two philosophers that I read and like the most, which is Marx and Heidegger. Oh, and I, just know, I just, I just know people now are just going. Th- those two have nothing to do with each other whatsoever. But um, and, and honestly, <laughs> if, you, are, if you haven't yeah. read either of them, I mean, read Marx anyway, <laughs> just just for like a counterbalance to our Western imperialism. But like uh, um, Heidegger, I I personally have a hard time reading Heidegger. <laughs> um, but. Um, Yes, go on. <laughs> this is my little tangent. Well, well, that's it. Well, the reason that, if you don't know Heidegger, the reason Heidegger's weird compared to Marx is because, not that his philosophy is, but Heidegger himself was a Nazi. That's why that's weird. But yeah. <laughs> um, there is a sect which I enjoy to read called Heideggerian Marxism, and that's yeah. kind of where my thought derives from. And Heidegger's the person to tie back into my book, mm. which will probably never see the light of day. But oh, anyway, come on. Heidegger's... <laughs> Just like a... She loves it when I'm self-deprecating. Oh, yeah. It's my favorite, <laughs> favorite thing about Matthew. Um, but wow. no, like seriously, I think I think there's a thing to to reading uh, quote-unquote controversial writers and, and also like every writer is controversial. So I think that's that's like a stretch. But Matthew is the kind of guy who on International Women's Day sends me this article about like, why feminism isn't useful if it isn't socialist. And so if I have any American listeners here, be careful of the words we use. They don't have the same connotation in, in Europe as they do in America. So be a little open-minded to the socialist, you know, like red flag that you're you're feeling inside of you if, if you've been buying into I can them. just... I hear that sound. That's all of the people just clicking unsubscribe. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, we're still, we're still like, this is where I was sort of getting to with this is that Matthew and I love getting into these like deep, long debates, total rabbit holes about, you know, like what society could be like if we could actually express the things that we want to express without using um, the binary metric system that we've been given or, or, um, you know, this without that isn't this and just constantly butting our heads against like, well, this doesn't work, but we don't have something that works. So we're just going to like run around the things that don't work uh, endlessly. But um, basically we still function as, I mean, this is debatable, but we still function as human beings within this capitalistic system. So we butt our heads all the time in society on, you know, why we're still, you know, if, if this creative um, pursuit is so lonely and difficult and like, why do we write and why do we put ourselves through this and what's it gonna bring us? This is the big society question of like, you know, why did you study philosophy? What you gonna do with that? Or, um, you know, why are you writing about boredom? Who's going to care? Or, like, what's that going to do? And how is that going to be profitable? 
And this is like one of the most harmful questions, and I'm sure a lot of creatives know exactly what we're talking about, but <clears throat> you still have to answer that question for yourself because you're still a human being with like, you know, motivation issues. So you gotta- And you have to, and you have to eat and pay rent. <laughs> and so, yeah, so. A paying rent, who does that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, rent. <laughs> But, but essentially, so I guess, um, yeah, like what you, Matthew, what are you going to do with your book? Like, what do you say when people <laughs> ask you that? Um, oh God. Right. General, generally it's, I, I don't know, or we'll just see where it goes. You know, you give something vague, but yeah. honestly, what am I going to do with my book? If I finish it, one, I'm stoked. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. It's just like. I don't think that you really have to do anything with with it per se. Yes. Like obviously, I'll we'll try and publish it, but you don't like it. Doesn't mean like it, just the process of doing it and having it like having it completed is great, but the process of doing it and trying to make sense of all this nonsense on the page is kind of fulfilling within itself. Yeah, like, and, I'm and, not, and, yeah. and I'm going to underline him saying trying to make sense and not making actual sense because <laughs> yeah. because nothing makes sense if you go that deep into fucking critical thinking. Like it, not, it, it will boil your brain down to pieces. And and you know, I spent four years with my dear friend Nietzsche. <laughs> if you've ever read Nietzsche, like you'll know that you're not a productive person after it. Your brain is sort of left in a puddle on a somewhere in a library. Um, for for other people to sort of like pick up the pieces but um but essentially like i we were talking about why we write and it's it's funny because now that i wrote the book and now that the book is out i miss writing because that's the fun part i don't like the fact that i have to post on instagram three times a day and that i have to you know um come up with snack bites of articles to put on BuzzFeed so that people will read this hashtag sex memoir I wrote because, you know, there is a lot of sex in it. But I think greater than the, than the sex and the relationships and the stories is my trying to understand um, the society that we live in today, which is so senseless to me. Like, we have so many contradictions. And so, like, more than the process of trying to make sense of it, I am now trying to open up that conversation. And, and I think that's sort of what writing does in the first place. But we don't have the patience to read that much anymore. So you find other ways to try and, like you were saying, you know, if, if you were texting me some of the stuff that you write for your book, which he does, by the way, um, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't... And she always says, delete that, delete that. That's not true. <laughs> I go like, well, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but, but it's pretty. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but what I think is is that that patience for debate and actual conversation that critical theory teaches you is the same patience as you would have to read philosophy or read, you know, mentally demanding books, which I'm not saying mine is, but, um, but philosophy is. No, mine. <laughs> no, yeah, no Yours mine. is a little more mind bending than mine so far. <laughs> that, that's just because it's badly written. Don't worry. <laughs> no, worry. no, but there's something to be said about the exercise of like, you know, you go to the gym for your body, but what do you do for your brain kind of thing? Yeah, that's about for... Well, I actually had a friend who said philosophy is like going to the gym. It and is. So yeah, critical reading is like going to like going to the gym. You have to start somewhere and it's 
a lot of it's it's weight training. It's a lot of heavy lifting and and a lot of rereading, a lot of stuff that might just be complete non complete. Well, everything's complete. Yeah. yeah, like uh, and and it could just be wrong. And but it's still interesting. Exactly, and that's why we still read Plato like millions of years later. Is that there is regardless of of where you're standing. <laughs> Matthew just rolled his eyes really intensely. Um, <laughs> but but I think there is always, a, a, and this is one of the main points um, in postmodernist um, critique, is that there's something about um, where you stand, your perspective on whatever's written or, or whatever you're reading. And so I, I think it's like a lost art of just like enjoying you know, being in your own head. And this ties back into the lonely thing is that when you let yourself be bored or like be completely isolated or be stuck with your own self, not only is it good therapy and it's pretty cheap, um, but, but also it's, it's sort of tapping back into this um, human existence that we've shared with other humans for like centuries that we seem to completely forget now that we have like Instagram and Facebook. We're like, oh yeah, snackable bites, whatever people choose to put out, that's probably who they are. And it's not who we are and it's not how you you know, live that, live a fulfilling life in actual relationships with actual people around you. Like, I don't know if you, if you, do you stretch that sort of like deep theoretical thinking into your personal life? Because that's sort of my mission, but I'm, I'm not assuming that's everyone else's. Uh, yeah. Well, it opens you up to, um, well, it opens you up and shows you where alienation actually is. And it kind of, and it kind of, it, it shows you what is what it is and what is important. So, and then that is like the basic mode that we live in is being with other people. And so, we're at, and it sounds weird. Where it's and it sounds weird. It sounds grim when you're like you have to go away to kind of <laughs> like you have to isolate yourself to kind of come to that very simple explanation. But it's kind of about this. <laughs> But we live our lives with others, but sometimes we live them in a way that's not completely true. true. Yeah, yeah, true or honest. Yeah. If we, uh, if we so, want to open a whole other can of worms, that's not really authentic. <laughs> I didn't want to use that word. Like I was like, oh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> For any philosophy nerds, you'll know why we won't go into that rabbit hole. But you know, um, but only, I was like, this is. Pretend, too pretentious already like as soon as you say authentic you've just lost the room <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean I guess like <clears throat> this is where I struggle so you can you can be um that sort of um cheesy and and pretentious when you talk about yoga and like meditation but as soon as you go into philosophy people are like oh no that's like too deep <laughs> that, well that's what it, that's what I want to know is it like is it is it pretentious to completely dismiss philosophy and poetry and literature like serious literature straight off the bat? Yeah, and just be like, and just be like, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> it is. Uh, which, which is the thing that happens. Yeah, this is why we end up with insta poets and like I mean, all it, of that kind of oh, that like. Yeah. I don't want to shit on it because I consume it. So like, I, I, I no, can't... no, I'll, I'll I'll take that. I'll, 
I'll wear that one. That's all me. I'm, I'm kind of really happy that I'm really happy the shit out of. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm. I was faced with this when, like, my publicist was like, "We should put quotes of your book on your Instagram," and I was like, "But they're all contextual." <laughs> this is like the critical thinking. I'm like, you cannot separate it from the context because then the like meaning is lost. And she's like, "It's gonna sound controversial no matter how I cut it because like, if and it, this happened with one of my quotes where I said." Um, I was talking about uh, what men want from women, and I was using that that uh, Malcolm Gladwell quote of you know everybody wants um, strong black coffee or something like that, and you know guys being like I want my woman of my dreams to be you know independent and 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 strong and funny and smart, and then like you actually feel like you're that person and that the guys around you end up choosing people who are like somehow like broken and that they can fix anyway this was like my experience in one particular moment in time I disagree with like 80% of what I said in that chapter now and I probably disagreed with it like five minutes after I wrote it but that doesn't change the fact that I lived that feeling and that's how I felt in that moment and when I put up that quote on Instagram people were like well you can't just say that. And I'm like, well, if you read the book, I don't actually just say that. Um, but but we, we've become accustomed to just like taking whatever snack biteable information we've been given and just like run with it and feel angry and feel like all of these emotions that are natural. But, but if you insert critical thinking and if you make it um, something that you always question or, 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 or if you insert doubt into everything that you see, hear or say, a lot of it goes away, right? I mean, am I making sense? No, but that's okay. I'm not, I'm not making sense. <laughs> uh, no, you made sense. I mean, it has to do with time um, yeah. as well. It's because time is so, well, time is finite. There's nothing, nothing deep in that. <laughs> but we live, it, we live our lives at a fast pace. And these things take time. Time to, is money. To do, <laughs> yeah. And to, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. It's all it's all about earning those stacks. Well, it's not even about earning the stacks. It's about appearing to have the stacks. Yes. And that's a various, yeah. Yes. It's about appearing a certain way. It's all about the facade. Oh, There's I, no depth. No. <clears throat> and this is sort of, it goes back to the question of we're like, we're like what are you going to do with your book once you wrote it? Or like, what profit are you going to take from it? Or what kind of sales are you hoping to achieve? Or all those sort of like very capitalistic questions that people ask you, even if your, your project is artistic. And that appearance now, I've got messages from people like in the last couple of weeks, because my book's been out for a month and, and for an indie, you know, crowdfunded book, it's been selling pretty well. Um, and people are like, Oh, so like, congrats, it's such a, and I'm like, you didn't give a fuck while, you know, it didn't look like I was making it. Now that it looks like I'm making it, or like, it, or like my Instagram looks professional, people are like, you're killing it, girl. And I'm like, no, 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 I was killing it when I was in Belgrade, still persevering against all odds to finish it. Now I'm just being like a clog in the machine trying to fucking sell something. When like the, yeah. the, the only thing I want to do is actually sit down with people who read it to have an in-depth conversations about the questions I have still don't have answers to. Yeah. I mean, it's like, so I've got this example uh, that I try to use. I try actually, now I'm starting to try not to speak to people about this because it's stuff like this, because except you, you're, you're my exception. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> because, you know, it's difficult stuff to talk about, but I've got an example of a, a painter. So we got a, 
painter who's trying to start out, an artist who's trying to start out, and then to get by, they paint just sceneries of wherever they are, but just really quickly, really cheaply, and then they flip them, and they flip them, and they flip them, and they flip them on the side of a main street somewhere. And then at some point, they'll, they come to this realisation that this is just not, this isn't art, this isn't what I'm, <laughs> like, this is what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah. And then, so they stop to work on one piece, which takes time. And so they have a period of time where they're just working on this one piece. But everyone they know c- comes up to them and goes, oh, why don't you paint anymore? Like, why aren't you, like, what? And yes. Just, like, no, and it's, and even when you explain, and this is like, and even when you explain it to them, it's just the fact that one, there has to be a physical object, yeah. and that two, that physical object has to turn a monetary profit. Yeah. And that's unfortunately the culture that we live in now. Yeah. Um, and it's just grim. <laughs> I mean, it is because at the same time, like I'm sure I can write things that I'm passionate about that are like one page long and that belong on, you know, like this, the, the snackable information media that we used, that we use. And I'm, I'm sure I can, um, but I don't want to <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. because my whole point is that, you know, we need to take more time to ask ourselves what is good for us and what we want for ourselves. And, And like, yeah, okay, like stupid example, but you know, the first one that jumps to mind is personally, my book is about, you know, fucking a lot of people because I enjoy fucking a lot of people and it doesn't hurt me so far. It might one day, it hasn't yet. But um, conversely, I know a lot of my friends should never behave like that because that is harmful to them. They get attached or they, you know, um, seek other things in that moment of like physical intimacy. Whereas for me, it's just like a phys- it's like eating a really nice meal or having a really good glass of wine. It fulfills the same need. But if your need is greater than that and you don't take the time to address it, you're going to like work within a, like a social um, prescribed script that doesn't actually do anything for you and you're constantly going to feel frustrated and, and, and lonely and sad because you don't know why you're not getting what you want by enacting the script that you've been taught. And I think, like, yeah. I think that's why, you know, that, 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 that any creative is, is sort of faced with exactly the same problem as the painter. It's like, when do you... You know, you're like, but at least I'm painting, even though it's like sceneries that aren't what I want to paint. At least I'm not, you know, washing dishes or or something completely creative less. But um, that's not a word. But you know what I mean. And um, stick a hyphen in there. It's a word. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, But but um, but at the same time, it's like those those navigating those expectations that you have, you know, from others and just more simply from yourself is is something that we don't talk about or like we do. But in a very like, oh, that's hard. Move on. Like, don't don't go into that scary topic. (laughs) Like, Just that's that's why. That's why CBT is so popular. What's because all CBT? it is is like uh, cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy. Cognitive behavior therapy. <laughs> nah. um, because of all it is is like, hmm, oh yeah, so you've got these deep rooted problems of anxiety and dread. Have you tried not thinking about them? And it's mm. just, it's just, and that's like one of the, one of the things I find funny is, um, kind of how western zen is all about not thinking about anything when actual zen is about staring into the abyss and figuring it out yeah it's just kind of and it's just like yeah it just should be yeah it should be 
it's Western Buddhism or Western Zen, whatever you want to, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that all of that sounds grim because it is a little bit grim and it's hard. And that's why we don't do it. But the silver lining is that, you know, if you swipe right on Tinder accidentally, you might meet like your Matthew and like have someone to have these deep conversations with if you need them. Um, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Poor Tinder users everywhere. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, I'm I'm still trying not to, like, fall under the grimness of it. Because, like, yes, feminism isn't feminism if it isn't intersectional. And yes, art isn't art if it's not fulfilling, like, your greater purpose. Or, like, all of these, like, blanket statements that are, like, you know, um, this is the perfect form. Sort of, like, aim towards it. I, I, I like what they are. And I don't think feminism is feminism unless it's intersectional. But at the same time, like, get give people the credit and the time for the process of, like, one step at a time, you know? Like, look into this and, like, like you were saying, oh, I read Marx, so therefore, next step, I read this. And, like, that process in itself is so um, important and it takes time. And if someone's going down that path, like don't, you know, find always like the negative start. And then this is sort of like the bad side of critical theory of like, of, of, you know, shutting everything down. And I think that was like one of my biggest frustrations in the beginning of university is being like, well, I'm finding a lot of things that don't work or I'm like deconstructing a lot, but what am I constructing as if, you know, this thought is so far ingrained that you have to build something. Yes. Um, I mean, with critical theory and philosophy, what, 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 we're, what we're trying to do is formulate the right questions, which means you yeah. always have to be questioning what happened before. And, um, <laughs> and so you test, you test up, down all the time, just to, so you tear it to the ground to see what What's it is, left. what the ground is yeah. that it stood on, and yeah. if there's something there. And it's, yeah, it's frustrating, but that's what you do. I suppose what the pe hard people seem to have a hard time seeing how it's applicable to everyday life. Yes. And, um, and that like, <laughs> so much of it is, I just did, just did the, just did the way to get you to question everything in itself is, but, um, like with, With Marx, there's like a kind of, um, there's a Richard Wolff quote that I kind of like, I'm going to paraphrase, where he says something along the lines of, like, how can you, how can you formulate a loving relationship if you've been brought up in a construct in a society where you're constantly either ripping off or being ripped off? Yeah. Like, you, you can't live your life in these little boxes. Yeah. It's everything. It's holistic you can't so if you're getting ripped off because of your wage or because of like like the rent thing that's going on in san francisco at the yeah moment, um and chicago and everywhere else um and all of the like minority and working class neighborhoods being priced out like how can if someone lives in that dichotomy of either being ripped ripping off or being ripped off how can they not take that into into every single them? relationship yeah, into everything yeah. And so that's why a lot of people can't formulate these strong emotional bonds. Yes. And that's, and so, yeah. And so if like, so if we read Marx and not saying that Marx is a hundred percent correct, but he's not, but if we read it, then it opens up the dialogue to possibly like either push it further forward or figure this out and just, yeah. 
Yeah, and, and that's and, why it's important. And this it, is it does filter into everything. Exactly, and this is why I wanted to you know tape this podcast episode with you is because we're not talking about philosophy on like a high level of like this is the books you should read or this is what these guys say. It's like we're actually using the stuff that we um, quote unquote learned um from from those readings into our daily lives and it affects every decision we make and and every um feeling we have like i'm constantly being like okay like i'm feeling lonely right now why where does it come from you know i'm surrounded with people yet i feel lonely or i'm by myself and i feel perfectly fulfilled like where do those things come from and and how does my environment influence how i feel and that questioning itself isn't wasn't taught to me by my parents or by any social you know surrounding that i was sort of like landed into by the you know fortune of my birth like that was entirely thanks to you know I hate the word, but like intellectual, like um, a privilege that I have because I went to university and I was, you know, given the opportunity to spend four years and live in some kind of like bubble of, of what do you think, you know, and, and having the, the, the privilege of not having to build something or make a tangible object or, you know, that was like for me, the ultimate luxury is going to university and spending those four years doing something quote unquote unproductive for society. Yeah. And then we also have we all, we also have the privilege and the luxury of time right now. You and I. Like I know. Yeah. You, yes. you and I. <laughs> Again, it's like I've had. I mean, I I was as we said before, I was an accountant um, for a bit, and um, so I was fortunate enough to say some. I shouldn't say accountant, like a bookkeeper. Yeah. I basically I just sat at a computer and pretended to do stuff. To <laughs> <them>. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically our economy now. But um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I saved my money to come over here to get that citizenship and to write. So I had the I had that luxury. Not everybody has that luxury. That luxury affords me the time to read. But these, this is like, this is these books. It's it. I I completely agree with you. While entirely disagreeing with you for another reason um is that yes i was also a corporate headhunter for three years which you know i made a lot of money and then i saved it and you know i didn't save it to do this because that wasn't the plan and if you've read the book you'll know how i ended up here um <laughs> but basically over the last two years i've worked like in a sort of like paying for food job for maybe six months total um and like odd jobs and and three week contracts and two month contracts and stuff like that. I drove a truck last year for you know it's just like an example, but um but basically I I agree that yes I was fortunate to have a good job and therefore quote unquote good job financially that allowed me now to have the time to do this project and have the resources to you know do what I wanted to do. But at the same time. It's a choice. It is not just luck. Like, yes, it's luck to be, you know, within a, an economic background that I can get a good job thanks to my university, thanks to the privilege, blah, blah. But at the same time, I could still be working that job and being like, I don't have a choice. I have to pay my rent. It, no, like I decided to quit my job, to take the risk and to actually force myself to fight society and my family and my friends who didn't understand why I was doing this and why I wasn't, you know, you're nearing your thirties. Why aren't you thinking about your future? Why don't you keep saving so that if something happens, I was like, something is happening. I want to do this. This is what I want to do. 
And so I think like, yes, there is a bit of luck, but there is also, you know, I hate when I'm, I'm in Switzerland at the moment where I'm from and everyone's like, you're so lucky. I'm like, you live in Switzerland. You have a Swiss salary. Like you cannot tell me that I am lucky. Like you all have the same opportunity in this scenario. The people that I was talking to, they all have the same opportunity. Like, but you know, I have like bills to pay. I'm like, I had bills to pay. I paid my bills for years. I just chose to take a different path, which is just as doable if you apply yourself, if not harder, like maybe not mentally harder because having a nine to five is, you know, really hard uh, on my brain anyway. But at the same time, yeah, like I think it's, you have to recognize that those decisions are just as hard and, and it's not all always about the privilege. If you're already talking to privileged people, like this is like a big parentheses, like, but you know, do you agree? Uh, yes, that, yes and no. Yeah. So it kind of reminds me of um like I met this I met this guy in Sarajevo who who uh, read some some of this stuff um but was 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 very uh much more right wing uh good times I say that I would say that because I'm nowhere near the right I can't <laughs> <laughs> as my as my brother likes to say you're so far left you can't even see the center anymore <laughs> and um and uh but anyway um. He's he basically come down to after a discussion he was saying that there's uh, like poor so poor people should read more and then they would understand how to take their freedom uh, and it just doesn't work like that. Uh, I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're down in a coal mine or you're yeah. you're you're working in some factory knitting sweaters in Vietnam, you're not going sixty hours a week. Or, yeah, yeah, at least. Upwards. Yeah, you're not going to have the time to sit there and try and comb through this, and this is why this is why television works. All you want to do is come and watch people vaguely similar to you have a slightly more quote-unquote interesting existence well this yeah and this is this is why i was trying to like preface the fact that i'm talking about people coming from a same place of privilege you know which is not being inclusive because um but at the same time like i said in, in other episodes like this is my own personal lived experience and and i can't speak for others and i'm happy like if anyone wants to come and talk to me or 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 Matthew or or all, all of us about their experiences from a different background. I am so keen to have that conversation because I just don't feel comfortable having that conversation for others. Um, but um, but yeah. So anyway, the point here was that you know life is hard. Just. <laughs> 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 Just, just smile and keep pushing that boulder up the hill. Oh, God. Yeah, whatever your boulder looks like, just keep at it. I believe in you. You can do this. <laughs> it is fucking... It is hard. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. but uh, should we say yeah. something uplifting to end this episode? <laughs> oh, please. Otherwise... Oh. <laughs> Impending doom, guys. Wallowing in it. It's kind of nice. <laughs> if, if, if you knew me, this was uplifting. <laughs> yes, Matthew was very concerned about about his like monotone yeah. speaking voice. <laughs> but I think I think we managed to keep a sense of humor through this. Um, but yes, please uh, tweet at us, um, uh, Instagram, whatever medium you want to you choose. Like, say what you have to say. Disagree with us all you want. We're 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 here to do that. So, um, and if you have suggestions for other shit um, that we should be talking about, um, holla. So anyway, this was Running Wild with Christine, Sex, Success, and Other Slippery Rabbit Holes. 
Thanks so much, Matthew, for taking the time. Thank you. And, uh, and we'll speak to you soon, lovers. Bye now.